Folks, we're going to talk this morning about healing. You know, I went from children's ministries to caring for and loving the seniors of our church. And what a privilege it's been. I have done more memorial services than I ever want to do, though. Because these are people that are closer to God than many of you. And I mean that strictly in the way and the length of time. Holding hands of people as they stand upon the threshold of the kingdom of heaven. It's a beautiful thing to behold, but it's a bereaving thing for our hearts to go through and to face. The reality is that my wife and I, someday, one of us may go home to be with the Lord before the other. Now, I know that in the Smotherman clan, there have been many, many proposals and weddings. And those young people, you know, when you're young, you think you'll live forever. How many of you know that to be true? You know, kids think they're impervious to things. They don't see the danger in things. But the reality is, someday my wife and I will have to maybe part ways if the Lord doesn't call us home together. But we'll go through that. And there will be heartache, and there will be tears, and there will be sadness. This is true. Am I... Am I preaching anything new to you? But the question is, do we trust God enough as we go through it? Is your faith strong enough for you to get through it in that process? Whether you're the one saying goodbye and heading to home, or whether you're the one saying goodbye and remaining behind. On the screen, we're going to take a look at a scripture this morning in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46. It says, they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Great stuff right there. Throwing aside of a cloak, one of the most valuable possessions you may own is your cloak. Throwing that aside and, and just casting it aside there. Immediately, he jumps up and he's healed and he can see. It says his faith has healed him. It, the other one, they said, hey, cheer up. Or in a sense, you could in- interpret this in your own version of the Bible. Hey, today's your lucky day. He's calling upon you. So many things can be seen in play here as well. But when it comes to stories in the Bible about healings, just if we look at that portion under the microscope, we tend to look at it two ways. We say, one, you know, we could say, that's a good story from the past. God used to heal. The message is that God is powerful. So someone may look at this scripture we just read and say, you know, that shows the power of God. We may overemphasize, though, making the whole thing, our whole Bible turn into strictly about healing and foregoing everything else in God's plan and picture that he's painting for us as his children. Today, as we look at healing of Bartimaeus, we're going to ask these questions. First, can God heal you? And second, 
Will God heal you? Just by a raise of hands, how many of you have ever received a healing from God? You better raise your hand if you've ever had a cold. (laughs) That would be everybody in this room. Raise your hand if you know of someone that you feel like God didn't heal them. God didn't heal them. Anybody feel that way? Honest feelings. So our passage deals here in Bartimaeus, it's a physical healing. A blind man receives a sight, but healing can include other things. Healing can include diseases, injuries, emotional wounds. Healings can include relationships restored. When we ask God, can you heal, what we should be asking is, God, can you not only heal our body, but our minds and our relationship? So let's take a closer look at this passage here with Mark. God can heal your body. This is true. I used to tell the kids in kids' church all the time, getting a scab, God is the original creator of the Band-Aid. I've nicked the skin off my thumb here. I shaved the skin off of it pretty good. It's a little, little tender and sore, but it's healing up. That's God at work. And even to the point when it doesn't hurt anymore, God is still working on it. Because God hasn't forgotten about it, though I have. Think about that. Many times when God is healing you from something and you feel, I feel so much better, I'm over it. But you may still have some remnants of that in your body. God is still working to eradicate that. If you are ill, he can make you, your spouse, your parent, or your child well. God can also, now check this out, God can also heal your depression, which is very strong during this time of year. God can relieve you from your addiction. And God has done that for many. God can restore your emotional well-being. Can God heal you from what is happening in your marriage? Can God heal you from what has happened in your parents' lives? So our text today says that he healed Bartimaeus. Now as Jesus approached Jerusalem, Bartimaeus heard him coming, and he heard the cries, and so he begins to shout out. And he, what, he's shouting out to Jesus, telling him, I, I need to go to him. And Bartimaeus says, I want to see So we see Jesus' response, and he says, your faith made you well. Immediately, he received his sight. So some people may take that scripture in a literal sense and say, so it is faith then. I've got proof right here. I have to have enough faith to be healed. You're partially right. Partially. But if you think that's 100%, then I'd have to declare, no, you're not on the right course there. Faith plays a role in this. It's an ingredient, no doubt, in healing. But the other text that says he can heal, throughout Mark, we've seen Jesus heal people. He's healed people with leprosy in Mark. We've seen he heals the paralyzed, the person with a shriveled hand, the woman who deals with the issue of blood for 12 years. All those stories take place in this book of the Bible. But the Old Testament is also filled with stories of healing. But the scripture makes it clear that God can heal people. Not only that, there's more. Our experiences say that God can heal people. I love to hear the reports, the praise reports. Man, I'm going to the doctor and we're gonna go or discuss the results of a recent scan I had done. And then you go to the doctor's office and he says, I'm not even sure this is your image here because I don't see anything. Amen? God healed before you even showed up for the diagnosis. He had the diagnosis taken care of as well. So we see our own experiences. We're surrounded by people. I hear that someone got sick last night, Wilma, and uh, the ambulance took her away. Wilma's a member of our congregation. Today, Wilma is sitting over here in the back row. 
God has taken care of that. As many of you have heard and been praying, my son-in-law Dalton dealing with his brain tumor. And they've removed as much as they can surgically, but it still exists. Well, we just got noticed that Dalton, being in the military service, was on a recovery unit status, has just been designated by his doctor to return to full duty. And just to show you God's sense of humor, the doctor's name on the bottom, the doctor's name, I kid you not, Christian B. Swift. Our God is not powerless, he is powerful. He is able and he can heal. Our God is not distant, but our God is near us. Our God is able to heal. Now God is more than able to heal you in your body, your mind, your broken heart. God can heal you, but can you believe that God can heal you? You see, there is a report that man may declare over you, but then there's the word that God speaks over you as well. I don't know about you, but you can go to college and you go to schooling for 12 years, but the one who created the heavens and the earth, I'm going to trust that word so much more. I'm going to trust his declarations over us. So that settles the question then, can God heal you? We've borne witness to it. We've received it ourselves. And the word tells us both in Old Testament, New Testament, many times that we see healing taking place. We have demonstrated that, yes, in fact, God is able to heal, but that's only part of the equation. There is another critical question, and that is, will God heal you? It's one thing to say God can it's another to say that he will. Does God want to heal you? Many of us, we labor under this burden, sadly, of unreceived healing. And that can often lead us to self-talk that is not encouraging to ourselves, not edifying to ourselves. Well, I must have done something really wrong that God's overlooked me. And people can feel that way. I've gone to see people when they've been in the hospital, and they've often, you know, your spirit is is really under a great burden when you're in the hospital bed. And you have long opportunities to have conversations with yourself and with God in a hospital room. And you can get inside your head and you begin to have a defeatist attitude. But I love when I walk into a hospital room and someone says, man, I'm hurting on the outside, I'm hurting on the inside, but God is all around this place. And I put my hope and my trust in him. That is, that's encouraging for me as a hospital visitation pastor to hear and see that. Amen? So listen, you all get sick. May the glory of God be in your rooms. I pray that now so that when I come in, I ain't got nothing to do except just hang out and fellowship with you, okay? We don't got to cry. We don't have to have intense prayer times. We can just rejoice in what we know in the Lord. So let's return to our text here. Receiving healing we see involves faith. Because Jesus said, Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. And he begins that. And he's obviously heard about Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He's heard the testimonies of what the Messiah has done. And so he's crying out. And they tell him to hush it up, shut it down, son. And he gets all the more louder as a result of it. So I'm finding that this is a great example, man. When you are fighting the good fight and it seems like the enemy is winning, you fight all the harder. When you don't know what else to pray, you just keep praying. God's going to give you the words. You keep calling out. Now, I know that I have spent time, I've had uh, seen my, my mother pass away, my father pass away, my oldest sister and my second oldest sister have all passed away. I've seen a point where it gets to where the doctor says, uh, this is the end, it's not going to change anymore. And many times the doctor is right, and I believe that God can heal through doctors, 
as well. I believe God can give them wisdom and knowledge and gives them skill sets to do things. And our nursing staff as well, our specialists, our therapists, those ones that tell you that you have to bend your legs after knee surgery and you hate them, they're sent by God. But I know that there are times when it feels like all hope is lost. But yet I am told that I am to continue to be of faith and continue to petition the Lord until his will has ultimately taken place. He cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. An expression of faith. He believes Jesus can help. It's not a spur of the moment faith. He's been thinking upon it. And when the crowd no doubt tried to hear the, to, uh, tired of hearing the beggars cry, they tell him to be quiet. He is persistent and all the more louder. Faith is involved. Jesus engages him and establishes the existence of his faith and to strengthen it by having Bartimaeus express it. So do you believe that you're going to get healed? Do you believe that God can heal you? Do you believe that God's healing is for you? Why would you be exempt and yet the person to the left and right of you receive healing? I believe that his intention is to heal every person 100%, 100% of the time. Now, you got to wait, because some of you are saying, wait, I lost some people. I'm going to get to that. I'm not leaving a loose end here. Bartimaeus acknowledges Jesus is able to make him see, and whenever a detailed description of Jesus' healing takes place, we see that faith is involved. Can you heal? And you should have the faith. Faith is involved. Now, healing in, in healing automatic, oh my goodness, is healing automatically 100%. If you ask for it, will you get it 100% of the time? We don't. People say that if you have enough faith, you can get healed. And you're just like, no, but you're like, wait a minute, what about Bartimaeus? Are we in contrast here, what we're saying? No, we are not. But we miss the portion there, though, that says that according to his will. According to his will. And we have to accept that. And we can often pray and say, Lord, I don't want your will to be done here because it's too hard to say goodbye to this loved one, this precious saint, this, this, this person I've grown so in love with. I can't bear to be apart from. I don't want your will to be carried out. Sometimes we might be selfish in that thinking. Is this true? But yet, do you have enough faith to trust that God is up to something perfect? God is up to something perfect. I have been with people where they say, I am so ready to go. I am ready to go to be relieved of this mortal shell that is bothering me, that aches and creaks and and does all kinds of stuff it's not supposed to do and it didn't do, and now it's doing it, and I'm all kinds of messed up, I'm broke down. I remember my wife one time, she said, my own body is betraying me. <laughs> you feel that way sometimes, don't you? And you're like, what is going on? Men start asking, why am I starting to grow hair out of my ears? <laughs> Everything's going south for the winter, it's leaving here, it's moving down. <laughs> But healing is not automatic 100% even if you have faith. There are instances in scripture where people are healed though, regardless of their faith. So do you have to have faith to be healed? It's an ingredient, but do you know that the Bible is filled with just as many instances where God healed non-believers as he did believers? He did. Do you know that sometimes you have enough faith to stand in the gap to pray for a healing of someone who doesn't declare the Lord God Almighty? but you do, and you are standing in the gap for them? 
In fact, the Gospels alone, the four Gospels, they, they cite 35 references of healing, but only 10 state that they had faith. Think about that. So just because someone doesn't know the Lord doesn't mean God doesn't love them and doesn't mean God isn't willing to heal them. So know that in your spirit and believe it as well. The centurion prayed for his servant. And Jesus said, well, come, let's go heal him. He said, no, just upon your word, Lord, I know he will be saved. There are times when you have faith and you don't receive healing. It involves more than faith. If you make sugar cookies this Christmas season and you forget to put the sugar in, you can still roll out the dough, you can still cookie cutter. Put them in the oven, they'll come out, they'll look like cookies, but are they really cookies? No, you will know, and husbands will just, "Mm mm-hmm, good, delicious, yeah, mm. (laughs) Receiving healing involves God's will as well. It's possible to have plenty of faith, but if it's not God's will, and on the screen here it says this, if we ask anything, how? According to his will, he will hear us. Sometimes even though he is able, he does not. We see the example of that where Paul has talked about the thorn in his flesh and prayed and asked God three times to take this thorn away from me, and yet God never did. There was a reason for it. There's a reason we go through things. I remember in my younger days in my college group when I first came to get saved, and a young girl, Jackie, I'd grown very close to as a friend, and Jackie had been wheelchair-bound her whole life. She couldn't speak She had to be constantly, and here she is as this young 20-year-old woman bathed by her mother still, helped to the bathroom by her mother. There was no father in the picture. Had to be, hold your arm around her, and often I would relieve um, her mom from feeding her. We'd go out to eat, and I'd have to put my arm around Jackie so I can hold her head still so that we can put the food in her mouth. And Jackie couldn't chew with her mouth closed, so it was her tongue mashing a lot of her food up against the roof of her mouth. Just, you can imagine what it was like just to go to a dental appointment for that girl. I loved her so much. She loved the Lord. And I don't know where she's at right now, I, but I, I, I'm just, I always pray and say, Lord, keep taking care of Jackie. And it doesn't look like you've healed her in the years that I've known her up until the, the last time we saw face to face, but I know someday you will. And I declared in traditions on Thursday that there are some people that we have that have a hard time communicating. And I said, when I get to heaven, we're going to have long conversations. We're going to talk clearly one to another. We're going to understand each other, and I'm so looking forward to it. But we can trust God. So I'm asking this here. Can God heal? Yes. Is faith a part of the equation? Yes. But don't overlook according to God's will. It's important to know that and to hear the testimonies of that. God can heal you. Will he heal you? That's up to God. And your trust in him to just go with what he decides is best for you as his child. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to hear a testimony this morning So we're going to bring you a real on-the-scene action live report witness, eyewitness of healing. To get you ready for that, I'm going to ask that if you would cast your eyes to our screens to watch this video. Thank you.
Well, good morning. My name is Brooks Motherman. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, um, you never feel so old as when you see yourself from high school. <laughs> I was like going through these photos like, wow, okay, I'm old. <laughs> um, this morning, if you have never seen a miracle, point your eyes here, because here is one. If you've seen through those photos, um, it's been rough, but God is good. And I stand here this morning to tell you the truth of God's word, that he does heal, and I'm a testimony of that. I also want to remind you this morning that if you look at me and, you know, think that I have all things together and that God loves me more than you, that's a lie from the pit of hell because we are all his children. And what he's done for me, he can do for you. And this morning, I am here to remind you that if you are in the dark hole of sickness today, that if you can just look beyond, if your faith can just stretch this morning, and I'm going to share a story today that's going to help you stretch your faith this morning and believe that God can do the impossible. Um, Isaiah 53, 5, we took communion this morning, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. I am healed. There's a long story and there's a lot that goes with it. So this morning, just bear with me. I'm going to try and be concise. Um, some things aren't so chronologically, um, and it's a lot. And I tell my husband all the time, I don't know when lightning strikes if you want to stand next to me or you don't. <laughs> I've been struck a few times, but I'm still here. So I don't know. You can decide after today. Um, Sharon, if you can pull up um, slide number 19. Um, in my sophomore year of high school, I started having symptoms, uh, fatigue, sudden weight loss, fainting spells, a low-grade fever. Um, I would faint in the shower, and my parents would have to come get me and put me back in bed. Um, they were really concerned because I just, I couldn't take care of myself any longer. It was a really long journey of not a lot of answers. Um, we would go to the doctors, and there was no explanation for a really long time. They couldn't find anything in the blood work or MRIs or CTs. Nothing would really show up that would explain what was going on. So years would pass, and my symptoms would increase. Many trips to the ER, specialist tests, and a lot of money for my parents. Um, if you don't know, my parents are pastors in Vacaville. Um, Jason and I had served with them for 20 years. Uh, my grandparents were also pastors for 28 years. So I come from a long heritage of Bible-believing um, people that prayed over me, that stood in faith through, through all these testings and trials. One day during uh, all those testings, my vision started to fade. I couldn't do normal activities like driving or working on the computer anymore. We went to uh, an ophthalmologist special, specialist in San Francisco, and what they found was that I had con contacted a parasite, and it had ate um, both the retinas in the back of my eyes. You know, when you go to um, the doctor, the eye doctor, and they show you the big E on the screen just to kind of get you started, and then you go down from there. I would cover my eye and say, I know that the E is there, but when I cover the eye, I know it's not there. I can't see it. Um, so they said that I was legally blind. These were hard days. These were stressful days. Um, if you can go to number 17, Sharon for me. My parents prayed and believed for healing. All the while, I was just wasting away. Nothing was helping. Um, this, was, this is my grandma right here. I love my grandma, woman of faith. I don't know why she's smiling while I'm sitting in the hospital bed, but <laughs> maybe she already knew that the healing was accomplished. <laughs> 
Um, before I get to the final part, uh, we had went to the, you know, we're, we're doing all these testings, not knowing what's going on. But in the middle of that, one of the specialists, in the eye specialists, we were going back to them doing a lot of steroids and stuff. And one day I went in there and I could see the E and then I could start seeing smaller and smaller and smaller. And my mom and I didn't really think anything of it. It was just sort of routine. At that point, we had, had done it for so long. And he pushed back away from the desk and he said, what did you do? And I was like, what? What, do you, what do you mean, what did I do? And he said, the last time you came in here, you couldn't read that big E, and today you're reading the 2020 line. What did you do? And I, my mom just said, you know, we're by, come on, give the Lord a hand. That is just amazing. <laughs> I could drive. I could work on the computer. I could see the 2020 line, and my vision was not impaired. It was gone. I was legally blind in my right eye. And so that was one of the first of many healings that God had done for me. All the while, my body is still sick. I'm still fainting. My parents are still, you know, taking me to all the specialists they can think of, um, trying to get the best of the best and not knowing what to do. Um, if you can go to uh, 21, uh, Sharon. So this is Pastor Jason and I in high school. I think he was a senior, and I was like a junior. He has hair, I know. Yes, he had hair once. Um, finally one day when I was 17 I was sent to an internist we had moved to Vacaville my parents um, had taken a church there Um, and they put me on a bunch of uh, potent antibiotics Uh, the internist there just was like trying to fit me in a box of lupus or something that they could just begin to treat me for and I could start getting better so they put me on a bunch of antibiotics trying to to fix me and it wasn't working so one day after MRI and a biopsy the doctor called and the words that you don't want to hear as a parent, and I'm a parent now, and I couldn't imagine, but it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So cancer, right? Uh, it was tough news, especially for a teen to process. I could see the weight of this hit my parents, and I can understand that. It just, it, it was a big blow. It, it was something they never wanted to hear. So I was scheduled for surgery the week after my high school graduation, um, And I just want to remind you today, as I was praying this week and interceding for you and the people that I could hear in my ears say that God doesn't heal anymore or God didn't heal so-and-so, so so he he must not be mighty. Um, Have you ever been in an airplane when there's a storm? And it looks really overcast, right, when we're on the ground. And when we get up there, you're like, wow, the sun is shining up here. When you're really sick for a long time, you feel like you're in that storm for so long and you haven't seen the sun in a really long time. But I'm here to tell you, if you can just lift your eyes up above the storm, in the natural, it it may be a storm, but it's nothing for our God of the impossible. And if you can just put your eyes on Jesus and believe without doubting to say, God, it might not seem like it today and I might not feel it today, but I can see, I know that you are the author and the finisher of my faith. And I can trust and believe that you will do what you say that you can do. That was a picture that God gave me, you know, this week praying for you guys. Uh, let's read Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able, my God is able, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Lift yourself from the darkness that sickness tries to hold you down and look into Jesus. Today, I feel like I'm a flashlight in the darkness saying, he's the way. Come over here. He's the way. Come over here. Jesus is the way. And you may be sick and you may be tired and you may be sick of being tired because I've been there. 
And if you can just look above the storm, there is God. I want to remind you today that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he lives in you. Don't forget that. Romans 8 and 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life in your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Don't forget it this morning. The same faith that it takes to believe that your sins have been washed away is the same faith that you believe that God still heals today. So we come to an altar, we commit ourselves to Christ. We know that our, our ticket is punched for heaven. And then we walk through this life and we get sick and afflicted. It's the same faith. It's the same faith to believe that God will do what he said he can do. So the cancer had spread to my liver when they did this biopsy. Um, they had soft spots on the liver as well. Um, my spleen had tripled in size and I would sing with my mom and it was pushing up against my, um, my rib cage. So sing and, you know, breathe and it was tough. Um, so this was going to be major surgery right after high school. After the doctor, after the surgery, um, I got to go on my senior trip for like two days with my mom and I had to come home and have surgery in June. Um, after the surgery, they had come to my parents and said, we need 24 hours. My parents were like, okay. You know, the healing didn't look like it had happened. As you saw in that picture where I'm in the bed, that's what they were looking at. In the natural, that's what they were seeing. But God was at work. God was doing something that they didn't understand at the time. Um, they came back and said, we, we need 48 hours. And I have a tube down my throat pumping out stuff out of my stomach. We need another day. And my parents at this point are like, what is going on? You know, They came back after I, I had been in the hospital about six or seven days. And they just said, Mr. and Mrs. Baker, we, we see this you know, MRI. We see the biopsy that we pulled the cells, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma out of the spleen. But when we went in there, there was no cancer to be found anywhere in her body. Yes. No cancer. Exceedingly abundantly, all that we can ask or imagine. I still have my liver, FYI. <laughs> God is good. <laughs> so years would pass. Um, if you can put up 22 for me, Sharon. Uh, Jason and I got married in uh, 2002. I know, little babies. <laughs> We're old now. Um, and then a few years later, we had Jaden. Um, if you can do 23 for me, Sharon. Um, after Jaden was born, um, it, he was about two weeks old. And I started getting that blurry vision again in um, the time I was 23. And knowing what God had done over and over already. And I just, you know, called my mom and said, I need you to believe with me that my faith will match God's. I know that he's done it before, but I'm, feel I'm feeling this in the natural. And I don't know what to do with it. So we went to um, the specialist in our town at that time just to try to get in as soon as possible. And um, he ran a panel. Um, eye doctors apparently can find a lot of different diseases just by looking at your eyes. Really cool how God made us. And 
what he saw back there and the labs said that um, my kidneys were in, were in failure. I was in stage four kidney failure. So I have a two week old. I've only been married for two and a half years and it's just like a wave that hits you. Like, man, God, I, I believe you are who you say you are. I know you to be my healer because you've done it so many times already. Here I am. I was able to carry a baby, you know, in my body. Um, so they diagnosed me with interstitial nephritis. We went and got a nephrologist. Um, for six years, they treated my kidney disease. And then shortly after we had Jace, um, they called and just said, it's, it's time for transplant. And as a mom and as a wife, when I was, you know, laying in that bed with my grandma, I didn't have the responsibility that I do in this photo. And for my husband to pull up the faith just to look at me in the eyes sometimes, knowing what we were about to face. I remember we drove home, um, we were about an hour away, and we drove home from that appointment. And as soon as he said transplant, I'm a pretty solid person. I just, I just wept because I knew exactly what that meant. And if you've ever seen anybody deal with kidneys, you know it's, it's a lot. And transplant is no, no little feat. Number one, you have to find a match, either a living donor or a deceased donor. And you have to go on the transplant list and you have to go on special medication, and then they want you to do dialysis, and the list goes on and on and on. So just knowing that, the both of us felt the weight of that. Because with all of the medical bills that we had dealt with, with my eyes, it was already a lot. But we believed, and we trusted, and we knew that God was a good God. And, and we walked out through that season, and both my parents were going to try and um, be a match for me. And Jason also went and tried to be a match for me. And if you'll go to, let's see what number that is, 26. This was right after our transplant surgery. Jason um, was the perfect match. And I, he went in before me just the way that they do it. And I remember being so fearful, thinking if he's going to give his life for me and not be around, I don't know what I would do. So when we came out, I mean, he's like toasted right there. <laughs> but I reached my hand over and I couldn't say it with my mouth, but it was like, thank you, Jesus, that we both made it out. We both are alive. We both can take care of our children. We're going to be here. And this month, that photo is 10 years old. Yeah. Yep. God is so good. And I reiterate again, if you've never seen a miracle, don't ever look at me and feel sorry for me. Just know that I'm a miracle. When the doctor said that there was no hope for me, when the doctor said over and over again, it's lymphoma cancer, you know, it's uh, a parasite, it's your kidneys. God was always there every step of the way to meet me with the answer. 
If you don't know it this morning, God is your answer. If you don't know it this morning, God is your healer. And I'm here to tell you today, there are hard days, there are rough days. When we accept Jesus, that doesn't mean that all the hard days go away. But he is faithful. He is true. And everything that he says, he will accomplish in your life. Don't forget it. God is able. God is able this morning. You ready? Just so that you guys know, we've, uh, we've lived this story, and every, every battle that we face, our faith hasn't gotten weaker or little, it's actually grown. And uh, we, we came here today to brag on Jesus, and that's to, to tell you that this is maybe a third of the story would be a third of the story. Um, my son had a, just an incredible miracle. My my wife, there was a time there six years into her kidney ailment where she looked at me as a husband and said, the Lord spoke to me to go off all of the meds. And I said, the Lord said, what? And uh, she went off the meds cold turkey by faith. And this incredible thing began to happen. Uh, her numbers didn't get worse. Her numbers actually got better. It just, God does. And I, I'm not telling you that you need to do that. We've got to be judicious and careful about what God speaks in wisdom. And we believe that God can use doctors and he can use nurses. And, and But I, I believe that we don't just serve a God who's the physician. He's the great physician. And we serve a God that, that when medical professionals get to the end of their rope, we can turn to him. And this morning, you know, first Sunday of, of Christmas season, we wanted to bring a message of hope and healing. Um, my wife and I have seen it, and we, we want to pray the prayer of faith over you. And we've got many prayer warriors that have been fasting and interceding this week to be able to lay their hands on you and believe. We believe that it is God's will uh, for his people to walk in health and wholeness. And as Pastor St. John mentioned today, it's not just physical. It can be emotional. It can be relational. We serve a God that when he does things, he doesn't just do things halfway. He does them all the way. And we're going to see this work out. My wife and I are anything but naive. We don't know what tomorrow holds. At a young age in our marriage, we had to have the hard conversations. But we are thankful for today. We're thankful that his grace and mercy have allowed us to be able to walk this thing out and to even be lead pastors in a community with you. Uh, that picture... Could you pull up that picture where we were um, in, the, in the hospital beds with each other? Um, that is a $1.1 million photo right there. That's what our insurance. We're basically millionaires. You just got to go to UCSF in San Francisco to be able to get it, you know. When I look at that photo and I think about, babe, the, the miracle that is you and what the enemy has tried to do in your life to keep you from your purpose and destiny. I stand here today knowing that he hasn't won. He hasn't won. He's tried to throw 
dump trucks at you and to be able to stand here in faith and say God wins and to inject faith in you in this Christmas season to know that if you stand at a place of despair or hopelessness that we serve an impossible God that does impossible things and what an incredible thing that is. Would you guys stand to your feet all across this room? Here's what we want to do. We want to be as orderly as we can, but we know. We know represented in this size of room, there's probably a lot of different kinds of infirmities that are represented, represented cancer and kidney failure and infection and disease. And we can spend a whole, lie, whole lot of time talking about the diagnosis that, that God wants, wants to and can heal from. But I love the word in scripture where he says, every one of them. Yeah. And we don't want to put a focus on the infirmity and sickness. We want to put in a, a focus on the healing power of Jesus. As my wife said, when we come down here and pray, we're not going to focus on the storm. We're going to focus upon the sun that's beyond the storm. And so I don't know, I don't know if you even feel comfortable with it, but I just felt like this first Sunday as your pastor in, in this holiday season that the Lord began to birth this prayer of faith will save the sick. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And we wanted to be able to pray with as many of you that are that are facing sickness and disease and illness. And maybe you are right now, God's putting on your heart to intercede on a family member's part. I don't know. But I'm thankful for friends that will tear the roof off the place and drop people to Jesus. Thankful that that happens too. And so I don't know your story. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know if it's depression. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. But we wanted to make an opportunity before you walk out that way to pray the prayer of faith over you. And as my wife sings, I don't know about you, but the last year and a half, as my wife has led worship, many of you have never really heard her story. As she has led worship, healing has begun to be released. And healing is going to be released as she leads us in a song or two. And so here's what I want, uh, board members or elders that feel comfortable with it, uh, if you would just begin to make yourself ready in, in your faith. And then our prayer team, led by um, Jason and Crystal and the wonderful amounts of team members that we have in the prayer team, I want you guys to be prepared in your faith to lay hands and pray. We serve a God where we don't have to beg, right, John? We don't got to beg. We just ask. We're responsible for asking in faith, not doubting. And we give him the ability to answer us. And so this morning, just by, by show of hands, so I know what we need to prepare for, those of you that are wanting to get prayed for sickness or disease or illness or God's healing touch over your life, could you raise your hands so that I can see it? Yes, we've got hands that are going up everywhere. Hey, today's the day. Just like uh, Pastor St. John spoke, he's calling your name today. And that's the kind of faith that needs to be raised. So there's probably 50 or 60 hands that we're raising. Here's what I'm going to ask, that if you guys can make a single file line all the way across the front, and then we're going to have people that are trained to pray for you to come pray with you one by one, and we're going to pray the prayer of faith over you. So first, if you raise your hand and you want to be prayed for for healing, would you come and make that single file line all the way across? Yes. Walking miracles up and down this aisle right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for the faith that's stirring today. We thank you for the, the eyes that are being lifted up above the storms of our life. We thank you, God, that you're doing incredible things. As they're walking, babe, would you pray over them right now? Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, Lord God. Father, we believe and not doubt this morning, God, that you are who you say you are. Lord, that your healing touch, Father, that they have come this morning believing 
God, that you are the great physician today, God. Lord, you are who you say you are, God. We just ask, Lord, this morning that your healing power would come into this place today, God. That your anointing, Lord God, would walk up and down the aisles this morning, Lord Jesus, touching the hearts of your people today, God. We believe you, Lord. Some bits of instruction that I want to give you before we start praying is we have seen many times in our life praying for people for the miraculous in their life. We've oftentimes seen in posture when people come down here and, and pray, they immediately will go to that place. Listen to me. You'll go to that place of victimhood where you'll allow the diagnosis or the thing that you've been living under to agree with your faith rather than the word of God. And so posture is important. When, when, my, when my kids, my boys were younger and they wanted their dad to hold them, they would waddle over to me and they would lift up their hands and they would say, Dad, I need you to hold me. And what we're doing today is we're saying, Dad, we just need you to hold us. We need your healing touch over our life. And tears are going to be shed, but those tears that, that are shed, they lead to smiles on faces because we're not going to agree with the report of the enemy. We're going to, re, we're going to agree with the report of the Lord. And then when we start walking back down that aisle, Lord, I'm standing, I'm trusting, I'm believing that every word that you said is for me. And so would you guys help me with posture? Would you just take these two hands and lift them up towards heaven? Father, as we start to pray in Jesus' name, declaring That's in faith, you Father, we jump in your arms because you're a good Father. You so Father, from everything that that's little to big, from side to side, no matter what the age is, we declare the healing touch of Jesus be released in this place now. Now. Prayer team, would you begin to pray all across this room, elders, board members, pray.
don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I
I know there's this obvious thing where we try to create a, a spectator mentality when we're not supposed to do a spectator mentality. We're going to, if you need to be released this morning and you, and you got plans, we completely understand. We love you, but God is doing miracle touches in this room. And if you still remain in this room, would you do me a favor, no matter where you're at, would you shut up your hands towards heaven? And as my wife instructed, we're not going to look at the storm. We're going to look at, at, at him, our heavenly father. And we're going to declare that if he's our heavenly father and he's not just a good father, he's a good, good father who knows how to give good gifts. And could we just put our eyes upon him as we just begin to can continue to pray for each and every one of those that are here? Just worship. Atmosphere of worship at this point. 